<laughs> a former Marine arrives at a mental asylum housed in a remote castle to run it. There, he attempts to rehabilitate the patients by letting them act out their craziest fantasies and desires. This week on TerrorCast, we are reviewing William Peter Blatty's The Ninth Configuration. Welcome back, everybody. We're <laughs> what? Don't laugh at me. Yeah. Are you off? Is there something I'm wrong so, with you? I'm this so week? tired, Scotty. You, God, I can't we've even had to restart this you. episode so many times because you just. I'm so tired. I haven't got any rest. Why aren't you sleeping? I can't. Well, you certainly weren't awake all night because of this movie because it's definitely not a horror movie. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So. This movie called The Ninth Configuration is directed by the writer of The Exorcist. So going into it and based off the poster, I was like, oh, Scotty, we should review this this week because this should be pretty cool. It and, was pretty cool. Uh, it was a good movie, but it's not like what they advertised like at all. <laughs> I mean, I think I guess I thought it was horror because it was on Shudder. Yeah, it's on <laughs> Shudder and then it's directed and written by the guy who wrote Exorcist and directed Exorcist 3. So I guess I just kind of assumed, which, you know, shame on me. But this is actually more of a comedy. Yeah. With like sprinkle of horror elements. There's very in it. little horror in it. It's only, you could only consider it horror because it's weird. Yeah. There's, there's nothing horror about it. There's like flashes of horror for like, there's probably, I'll all tell the you horror in the movie horrific. is about a minute. I'll tell you what's horrific. The fucking leader of the chain gang. Holy shit. That yeah. whole barroom brawl was the was best the part weirdest of the movie. shit. It was the best part of the movie. It was movie. like it was written by like a middle school boy who thought this is how like badass adults act. <laughs> With their eyeliner. Oh, dude. Yeah. He had, the, he had the shiny. He had like the reflective sunglasses and then he had the eyeliner underneath. Well, uh, we're jumping ahead here, but just just so you can get an image And then he does the head. fucking splits. Yeah. <laughs> but let me just give you an image of this real quick, audience. There's I a just... scene in the movie where there's a big buff guy. It's probably midnight at this point. They're in a bar. It's a biker gang. He's clearly the leader. And he's wearing, like, aviator sunglasses <laughs> inside a dark bar at midnight. <laughs> and well, then when he finally takes them off, he's got eyeliner, which is, you know, if you do that, cool. But it's just like... Totally threw me off. <laughs> I mean, you're missing the other layers. Layers. He had no shirt on with like a vest. Yeah. He also had a neckerchief. Yeah, he did. He did. You're right. With, like leather gloves, and he's also carrying around the chain, which I guess works because they are the chain gang. Yeah. And but, then of course. But then he's also like doing the a ballet. He does like sideways splits. <laughs> it's so. Funny. There's just a lot of layers to that fella. Yeah, that scene was by far the most engaging. But, well, yeah, it's the only scene where there's any action. <laughs> but this movie has a hell of a cast. We have, I'm going to butcher their names. You're better at names. Can you pronounce that? Stacy Keach? John Smith. No, no, shut up. No. Stacy Keach. Oh, I got that right. Scott Wilson. Jason Miller. What was Jason Miller in, Cameron? The Exorcist. Uh-huh. And then we should pause right here and just... Tom uh, Atkins. Yeah, Tom, I do. I didn't know... Tom Atkins threw me off. I was like, oh, yeah, he yeah. looks super young. He does. But um, so this movie is interesting because it has Jason Miller, who was the priest in The Exorcist, because uh, Blatty considers this the true sequel to The Exorcist in the book. That's and, such a fucking writer thing to say. No, but in the book <laughs> and in the movie. Hold on. I have the trivia pulled up. Let me pull it up real quick, guys, so I can just read it to you. Um, I already. So 
William Peter Blatty, he has this is off IMDb trivia, has said that he considers this movie to be the true sequel to The Exorcist, as opposed to a mere follow-up. The novel and film of The Exorcist deals with the existence of bo both good and evil. The Ninth Configuration deals with the mystery of good, and the third novel, Legion, deals with the human's punishment of evil for original sin. Captain Cutshaw is the same astronaut who Reagan warns you're going to die up there in The Exorcist book. However, in The Exorcist film, the astronaut is never mentioned by name, not even in the credits. That's pretty cool. It's cool, but that's such a writer thing to do. Like, oh, yeah, it's actually, like, part of the same universe. Like, it's only connected, like, vaguely by, like, thematic, you know, elements. Oh, well, you have the writer of the book saying it's his technical sequel. I think it's fine, you know. And uh, it's very misleading. Billy Cutshaw is played by Scott Wilson in this. Um, That's his character. He's also in Exorcist 3. Who he, he plays play? like the weird doctor who's like smoking all the time. Oh yeah, he's a. Oh yeah, you're right. And he's got like all the weird like shit on the walls. But yeah, so that's interesting. So he can, so William Blatty. This is the first movie I'm, he directed. I'm fine with it being a sequel or whatever to The Exorcist, but like like that's a misrepresentation. It's not a sequel anyway. Well, so it's funny you bring that up because when so this is William Blatty's first movie he directed, and um. Trying to where is it? Da, 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 da. One second, guys. Um, I can't find the exact quote. But basically, what happened was the reason this movie took so long to come out, and it's never had like a huge release because Warner Brothers wanted to dub this like from the creator of The Exorcist because he wrote the book, and he did not want that marketing on this movie, which is interesting because he since he considers this technically a sequel to Exorcist. So he uh, he dropped he his distribution deal. What I'm saying. He, he dropped his distribution deal. So the movie never really had like a huge big release, which is really interesting, um, which is kind of shitty for the actors because they did such a good job. There could have been if this would have got a big release like it was supposed to be before. I guess he had issues with Warner Brothers wanting to, you know, use your name off the biggest thing they made. God forbid. Uh, they probably would have got some good Oscar noms. I feel like Scott Wilson definitely could have got an, like an, an actual Oscar win. They got a Golden Globe nomination for the screenplay. I did. And the screenplay is awesome. The actors are written incredibly well. But I just I do think that's interesting. And another cool interesting fact about this movie is it's actually fine. It was co-financed by Pepsi. So let me go ahead and or, or PepsiCo. Sorry, I'll go ahead and read this trivia as well. The film was partially financed by PepsiCo, the makers of soft drinks such as Pepsi. The company had leftover funds that couldn't leave the country of Hungary, and to use them, they decided to co-finance the film. Both Pepsi and the director had clauses. Pepsi was to shoot the film in Budapest. Blatty's was to not have any product placement by the company. Both agreed to the terms, although Blatty slightly relented, and a Pepsi machine does appear in one scene of the movie. So that's kind of cool that the, you know, of all things, Pepsi helped make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Blatty put up like half the funds himself too. Yeah, so I think that was really cool. It is a it is an adaptation of his own novel called Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane, which there's about four different versions of this movie, and in some regions that was the title on the movie was the original Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. He also rewrote the book twice. The original version was a lot more comedic, um, <clears throat> and I think he preferred the original version. But then he rewrote it again, and I think from that second novel. He, he, ad he adapted it for the movie and that's when like the second half takes like a darker turn um so that was interesting too oh and okay mm -hmm. so uh then the 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 
I have to look it up real fast. What does the ninth? Sorry. The ninth configuration is um. It refers to the amount of protein molecules that came together to form the Earth and the improbability based on mathematics that the Earth was created by chance based on the billions of protein molecules that had come together in order to create this madness. So the title for the, this movie called The Ninth Configuration I think is really appropriate given all the characters in this movie that are uh, in one way or another broken. Well, it's a movie about madness and then it's also a movie about you know the existence of God and good. Or man's inherent good or man's inherent evil. So, yes, that's that's kind of a lot of the that what becomes sort of the dialogue towards the middle half of the movie between uh, Stacy Keach's character and, and the astronaut. Yes. So a lot of cool little um, tidbits going around this movie. And it's, you know, it just it's weird just because it is, it is this guy, this has like Oscar bait written all over it. And it really should have been a bigger release. I mean, it should was a little a too movie. weird for its own good uh, to some degree, I think. It just, I think the main problem when we get into our breakdown, I'll talk about this, is like a bit of the structure needed a bit. It needed a little bit more structure. Well, he runs with the whole, the castle is filled with people from the military that might be like crazy. Or they might be faking it. But he runs with it for like an hour straight. Yeah. The movie <laughs> doesn't really like, I mean, it's like a character driven movie, but the 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 story doesn't really come through very much until you get past that hour point. So it's just wacky people doing wacky things, and it's pretty funny, but you gotta have some patience. Yes, exactly. Okay, but before we get into um more into like our movie breakdown and review and everything, there's a bit of interesting movie news going on in the world today. The first one is the most exciting, I think, is a movie called Disappointment Boulevard, which Joaquin and Phoenix is starring in. And it's Ari Aster's next movie. Ari Aster did Midsommar. He did Hereditary. And now his next movie is got Joaquin Phoenix in it. Like, all right, I'm in. Um, there's really... It's described as... The movie's described as an intimate, decade-spanning decade spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. So... Is it a horror movie? Is it a not horror movie? A24 is producing it, who did mainly does, you know, artsy horror movies. So. Elevated horror, you simp. Oh, sorry. Elevated horror. So I'm assuming there's going to be elements in there, but I'm really excited for this. I really enjoy Ari Aster's work, and obviously Joaquin Phoenix is a gem. So we'll, we'll see. What do you think? I'm sure it'll be good. I don't know. I don't have anything to go off of. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. And then, um, so these are a little quick bite news. Nothing too crazy to get into. The next one is a new Bloomcamp finally has a new movie in development, and it's called Demonic. So Neil Bloomcamp, uh, he did District 9. He really came out of the gate swinging with that, like his first movie, really, studio movie, and it's Oscar nominations and all that good stuff. Then he did Elysium with Matt Damon, which I really enjoy, but, you know, it, it has just detractors. And then he did Chappie. And then he went off and kind of did his own studio called Oats. I think it was called Studio Oats or just Oats. But um, and he did a bunch of short films. And his original plan with those short films was one of them he would develop into a feature length film. And he did a bunch of them and they're all really good. I mean, they're really strong. One had like this really Thing-esque horror vibe going on with it. Um, but I think that one was called Firebase. I can't, I can't remember the top of my head. But I think they're on Amazon Prime right now. So you guys should definitely check them out. But... And then he was supposed to do the RoboCop uh, remake, which was after it was supposed to be a sequel that was going to bring back the original cast. 
And then he was supposed to do the next Alien movie, which was going to bring back Sigourney Weaver and Newt and all that stuff. And then Ridley Scott stepped in and wanted to make Covenants. That didn't happen. And he stepped away from Robocop. We don't really know why he stepped away from Robocop yet. But now, finally, he's got an actual movie in development called Demonic. And I think, I'm assuming it's going to be based off one of his short stories. But that's all we know right now. But I just wanted to bring it up, though, because that's something I'm really, really looking forward to. His filmography has been very interesting. And I honestly, I like all his movies. Elysium, Chappie, his lesser known, lesser liked movies, I'm a huge fan of. So I think it'll be really cool to see what he does next. I mean, as long as he gets someone else to write the screenplay. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's not a great writer. District 9? District 9 was lucky. Get out of here. You sound like everyone else. It was. Elysium's good too. They're all written no, fine. no. They're not. Or wrote and fine. They're all wrote and fine. Roten is not a word either. <laughs> I know. That's why I said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so did you watch any of his shorts on his oats? What you think? Yeah, I think you probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then our last bit of news, or actually, sorry, two more. One more bite-sized one real quick is uh, the zombie train phenomenon that happened that Scotty didn't like. Uh, train to Busan. Is get it's we all saw it coming. And it's get fucking sucks. It's getting a remake, <laughs> of course, and it's but it's coming from the director of the Night Comes for Us, which is a uh, Timo Tiajanto. How you said it? TT. TT. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Timo he directed May the Devil Take You, The Night Comes for You, Headshot. It's being produced by James Wan, who you know from the Saul series. What does series. that even mean, though? I mean, come on, dude. James Wan is on. I mean, he's always been on fire. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but he's producing. But, yeah, but you see that Mortal Kombat trailer? It looked pretty good. Pretty good? Sub-Zero takes the guy's fucking blood, freezes it in midair, and stabs that motherfucker in the neck. A movie is... It's going to be the best. A movie is filled with so much CGI. It looks amazing. The whole movie looks... Jack's getting his fucking... Dude, Sub-Zero's a fucking unit in this movie. Everyone loves Because everybody loves Sub-Zero Everyone loves Scorpion. Sub-Zero's kind of like... No, people love Sub-Zero too. Not as much. Now they're like, oh no, listen, Sub-Zero's gonna whoop everyone's ass. It was a mistake not having Gareth Edwards do it. I know, he should... Obviously, he should have been the one to do it because that boy can shoot action like nobody gonna else. make or break it's gonna be it's gonna be made or broken by the fight scenes if they're generic and they're choppy and filled with cgi but did you watch the trailer hit. the it's trailer a trailer motherfucker it's supposed to get you yeah, interested but the i don't trailer care was showing there wasn't hyper edited which makes me suspect that the movie's not hyper edited uh, we'll see i'm not saying i'm not gonna watch it no you gonna watch saying, it you're gonna love it like jizz my pants just yeah don't, i'm gonna wait right, i've listen. only got so much to go around oh <laughs> I was watching that fucking trailer and my mouth was just like gaping open. I just I goes I could not believe because when they first announced the movie, it's the first time filmmaker, a director, really, it's at least the director's first movie. I can't remember his name on top of my head. Well, there's there's the first thing to be concerned. about. Yo, that's what made me concerned. So like when they announced it and I was like, oh, OK, like, let's see what they do. And then James Wan was on. I was like, OK, I'd rather him direct it. But if he's on, he's, he's got some oversight. This will be fine. And then they announced it's going to be radar. I was like, oh, OK, cool. So step in the right direction. And then I saw that fucking trailer. Yeah, but how rated that, are though? Did you just see the fucking trailer? People are getting gutted left and right. Nobody Jack's arms get busted off. The arrow goes through the guy's fucking head. Sub Zero cuts a dude fucking basically, or someone cuts someone in half. 
It doesn't ton of shit. This movie is going That's to be fantastic. Weak compared to what Mortal Kombat's fatalities actually They're not going to give you all the meats and potatoes in the trailer, dude. They're going to. If they were trying to sell you. I, they, they, they did. They, look, they sold me. They sold you. you just because you're easy to sell, man. I'm you're not easy. easy so I'm sell. hard. I'm, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm a hard man. You're not sell. hard at all. You're soft. No, but. Uh, <laughs> and, what are we talking Fucking. I don't even remember what we're talking about. Mortal Kombat. We're on Mortal Kombat now, guys. All right. So, the only thing that bothers me. Is I feel like they didn't utilize the Mortal Kombat theme good enough in the trailer, and it better have its well, glorious it's, moment it's a in the trailer. movie. Like they'll probably save it for the normal like trailer that comes out. Uh, hopefully, only you know what? Maybe, maybe I maybe I should retract what I said. I don't even want to hear what they do with it until I see the movie, and it better be in like glorious form like it's they i don't want a single sil- i love how i don't want a single note changed i want the exact theme i love song. how you're so hung up on the theme when that's the theme from the movie adaptation of the game they don't even use that in the games yeah so what's your problem <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so it's, a problem. it's such a weird thing that the movie has become so like ingrained within like the bah, lore bah, bah. of mortal Kombat, <laughs> and like the games like do their own thing <laughs> yeah that's totally fine i know i'm just saying like fuck you <laughs> fuck, no so Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat looks fantastic. It looks pretty all right. It looks pretty all right. Um, the last bit of news uh, before we get into Ninth Configuration is the Snyder Cut. And now if you guys have been with us for a while, then you know Scotty in the beginning was saying it was never going to come out. Does I don't know to... if I said it did. No, you did. I was listening to some of the older episodes just kind of like to hear what we sounded like. No, did you go back just to fucking prove me wrong? No, no, no. Um... And then there's a few moments where you're like, it doesn't exist. It's never going to happen. Stop talking about it, Cam. Cam. And then, and then, I will say, 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 this shit probably never would have happened if it wasn't for COVID. No, Scotty. This would never would happen if HBO Max wasn't bought by AT&T Films, who owns Warner Brothers, filmed it, uh, marked thing now. But I feel like HBO Max came about and was so successful because of COVID. Well, I don't give a fuck. It happened. The, the stars aligned, bitch. I'm just saying, like, in some so, roundabout way, I'm right. So, you know, as all those haters out there said it didn't exist like Scotty and didn't want it like Scotty, guess what? It's here. It's coming. March 18th. It's still my it's, stock. Besides, I think it's like five territories that won't get it on the same day, but it's official. Why do you the know that? The entire global, um, uh, March 18th, everyone can watch it on the same day. It's going to be fucking amazing. Everyone gather Four, around the TV. Shut up. Four hours long. It's going to be the original footage and he went back and shot i think it was a grand total of like less than five minutes of stuff he wanted to add in which is the, if you've seen the trailer the joker sequence stuff I'm that's the, the joker, stuff he added in. <laughs> oh my guys you bet your fucking dollar we're doing an episode on the snyder cut it's gonna be everything it's gonna be everything like it's just it's gonna be great it's gonna be like we're gonna do everything on that episode we're gonna do the build-up what happened, the Ray Fisher stuff, Walter Hamada with Warner Brother uh, Media, all of it. We're going to get into it. They're going to get into the movie. It's going to be fucking great. The movie, I cannot be more excited. As you guys know, if you listen to us before, if this is your first episode and you're like, this guy's really, just, you know, I'm always, you know, this is going to be great. Do you want to Oh, be- no, listen. And Batman vs. Superman is getting a remastered 4K and they're going to do the full IMAX footage like they're doing for Justice League. Uh, so an aspect ratio shift for the 4K. And this is also important because Zack Snyder even stated that the 4K version has the wrong color timing. So he went back, fixed the coloring. We're going to get the full IMAX aspect ratio for the BVS scenes that are in IMAX, which are like the uh, the beginning of the movie, the Superman battle with Batman, and then uh, the, the end, the end. There's one more in there somewhere, I think. But so, that, so all those will be um, in IMAX. Do you want to do that episode solo? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you're gonna got to, you're gonna do it with me. I'm not gonna be able to get a word in. You will. No, I won't. Wanna ask for your thoughts? Oh wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome, buddy. He's gonna turn you loose for six hours. <laughs> but um so yeah, so the Snyder Cut is officially here. It's coming. It's we should get Josh Whedon on here to give his thoughts. Oh, dude, Josh Whedon, did you now listen, he has, <laughs> he has not come out and said anything. There's no been like official, official, official reports. But I believe what everyone is saying, um, you know, their voices are heard. And I do think everyone is collaborating and saying this stuff did happen. So who's to say it didn't? All this stuff. Did you hear about the Buffy stuff with Josh Whedon? Yes, we've talked about it. Did we? OK, so if, if for the audience that doesn't know, um, just if you just type in really on Google Josh Whedon right now, this is all going to pop up. Charisma Carpenter went out on social media and she started talking about how uh, she, uh, basically her her set time with Josh Whedon and how bad it was and how uncomfortable and all that stuff. And which point Sarah, Michelle Geller, uh, Michelle, I can't remember who plays Donna Buff, Michelle Trachtenberg, 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 um, like Giles, uh, Spike, James Marsters bunch. And, um, I forget her name. She was like a producer and she wrote like 120 of the episodes. She came out. So all this stuff has come out like Josh Whedon, not being such a nice guy, and this all comes after the whole stuff with uh, Ray Fisher going talking about Josh Whedon uh, during the Justice League reshoots, which we'll get into on the Snyder Cut episode. So it's just kind of crazy how all this is coming out now. And Whedon still hasn't made a comment. And it's just it's crazy because Whedon's made some of my favorite stuff. He's Buffy's like one of my top favorite shows of all time. I fucking love Firefly, Serenity, Avengers 1. So it's like, all right, like it's, it's kind of blows, man, if. We haven't heard his side yet, so, but there's no reason not to believe what everyone is saying. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy shit that's going on out there. Josh Whedon sucks, man. I've been saying that forever. Do you watch Buffy? I watched, like, the first season. What? Only the first season? Bro, I don't, don't like Buffy. At... I don't like Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. I don't like Buffy. I'm not interested in Buffy. you only seen season one. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You need to watch it. No, I don't. I'm not going to. Please? No, fuck off. We can do a Buffy podcast. No, no. No. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. Nope. Alright, whatever. I'm done with that quippy little fucking abusive bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She's not abusive. I'm talking about Joss Whedon. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> Buffy is still near and dear to my heart. But alright, but that's that's all like the little bite-sized news stuff we have. That's all I got. Guys. Yeah, um, update on entropy is it's still in film festivals. Nobody wants it. Uh, no one wants it. Um, we're still waiting to see if we get in anywhere. So that's that's as much as we're getting on there. We have our next short film. Um, what do we what do we title it? Is that the official title? Or is that the working title? I don't know. It's up to us. We'll go ahead and say it. I forget. Conviction. 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 Um, so that's the working title, or maybe official. We'll figure it out. Constipation. Uh, it's obviously it's horror. Um, we won't obviously. Get in, we won't get into details right now, but the script's done. We are cast and crewed up, except for one little opening, which we actually should be getting a real sent, uh, an audition reel sent to us by in a couple hours. So maybe the maybe by the time you hear this, everything will be casted. So that'd be really cool. Um, we, sh- we are planning hoping to shoot that in April, and yeah, and that yeah, that's and you all can't watch stuff. it. You can't watch anything we make. No, it's well, and so it's out of the festivals, unfortunately. And we really want to show you guys everything, but obviously. Like the specifically with the shorts is 
if they're online, the festivals don't take them. They, they, they want like premieres or like exclusivity, if you will. So we're just waiting, unfortunately, but um, it'll be up and we'll let you guys know. If you haven't on our Facebook page for TerraCast, uh, we have links to our Hail House Productions page, which is where we put like screenshots behind the scenes of like our projects we're working on. Um, and we just try to keep everyone up to date. So if you haven't, you can go on there and see a lot of stuff we've been making. Our feature film Entropy has a ton of behind the scenes photos on there already. Poster, a one sheet. Behind the scenes photos of Entropy? There's like three. That's not a ton. No, we have way more than three. Where? We probably got five or six, man. <laughs> That's not a ton, <laughs> asshole. I mean, it's when a ton. When you say a ton, we have a ton that were made. Okay, we have a good amount. Nathan like, took about, like a zillion pictures and you haven't used any of them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trickling them out. No, you're not. You're obsessed with like thinking people care about spoilers. And you're, I you're care about spoilers. You're the only spoilers. one that cares. Because nobody knows what this movie is. They, they, there's enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have a skewed sense of the world. Uh, all right. So, any news you, you want to talk about? Anything big for you? I got this big zit on my nose. You know, sh- <laughs> yeah. Working on a new book. You want to talk about your book? Maybe first-time listeners don't know that you're a self-published author. You have a whole series of books you can buy. I'm a self-published author. I have a whole series of books you can buy. They're called the Bozeria <laughs> Series, or you can check out In Sheepskin. Uh, the covers are being redone for the series. We'll do like a big relaunch of the whole thing in the summertime. You can find them on Amazon. You can send me an email. I'll what is it? What is your book? It's a book. What do you mean? <laughs> if it's they don't dark, know, it's a dark fantasy. sell it, bro. I don't feel like it. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Check it out if you want. I don't care. Fuck, whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're not going to read it anyways. All right, let's move on to the ninth configuration. We're moving on to the ninth configuration. Okay. Scotty, go ahead. And this is the point, everyone, where we'll give a non-spoiler review. I will hold on. Oh, okay. This takes everything that I have within me to do this. But Oh, what is going on? What I is this? will concede. What? That what? you were right in the Black Coat's daughter review that she may not have killed her if she was nicer to her. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> oh my god. You guys heard it here! He conceded I was... All right, you got... All right, break it down for me. What changed your mind? Nothing. I just thought about it a little bit more. So you fucking argued with me for like 40 fucking minutes. I mean, I just felt committed to the cause at that point. So... Everybody. Right here, right now. On the ninth configuration episode at, what, 1.46 p.m. of us recording this, Eastern Standard Time, Scotty... Hale has fucking Get conceded. my name out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's right, bitch. Next time I have a good opinion on something, you fucking listen to me. Okay, well. <laughs> guess that'll happen again in a decade or so. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you guys haven't heard our last episode, The Black Coat's Daughter, um, go back and listen to that and then remember what he just said. <laughs> Jesus. All right, all right, so all right, so th- like I said, this is the part where we'll give our non-spoiler review of the movie, and then we'll go into a uh, breakdown of the film, which will have spoilers. We're not really gonna hold anything back on the breakdown. You want to go first, since I went first for Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah, sure. All right, so for this movie, The Ninth Configuration, directed by William Peter Blatty, made in 1980, I really, really dug this movie. Um, I did feel a bit cheated just because. 
I was expecting a horror movie because it was on Shudder, which is a horror streaming service. It's directed by the guy who wrote Exorcist. The poster is a ripoff of Clockwork Orange. So <laughs> everything in my body was telling me this is a horror movie. It takes place in a castle with crazy or maybe not crazy um, um, army. Mentally ill. Me mentally ill army uh, people plus an astronaut. So it's just kind of like I went in expecting a horror movie. And I didn't get it. So that kind of was a once I realized about halfway th through that, like, I'm not going to get that. It, it got better. But um, Stacy Keach, Scott Wilson, Tom Atkins, Jason Miller, specifically those guys, those that those four cast members blew me away. Tom Atkins didn't do anything. in this. I love Tom Atkins. He blows like, me away in everything. OK. OK. And so I'm watching this movie and I'm like, God, this is a master class in acting. It doesn't have as much as a structure as I was expecting, especially from a guy who wrote the book and then wrote the script. I, you know, structure is a big part for novels. This movie didn't really have a structure, which is fine because it really was an acting masterclass. Basically, you have Stacy Keach, which is who is Colonel Vincent Kane. Colonel? Col Col Colonel? Colonel, whatever. Colonel, Colonel Kane. Colonel Vincent Kane. Hey, God. And he is the, the new head dog in charge he's a psychiatrist so, oh yeah but he's in charge of everyone and so he's uh basically very uh monotone most of the movie he just re he just like, he doesn't say much he's just observing and i thought his performance was really understated especially like when he actually breaks out a little bit was fantastic and then you have scott wilson who plays captain billy cutshaw which in the book for the exorcist reagan says he's not going to make it up there so that's kind of the connection between exorcist or the ninth configuration as with scott wilson's character and but scott wilson and stacy keach they make the movie they i mean they're really the two main characters of this film and i just i couldn't look away when they're acting i just the movie has a very subdued uh visual style he really and i'm a, fan, a huge fan of this he really lets the the edit sit on single shots, almost like master shots, if you will, where there's not a lot of coverage. He just he's letting these actors play out the scene and typically a medium wide. Speaking of a lack of coverage, I do feel like at times they used a lot of uh, the same people shots. talking. Well, these a lot of same shots. They also use a lot of people talking off screen to fill in information. Yes, that was like definitely they, ADR. They either well, there's a shit ton of ADR in this movie. Yes, either they didn't film the scenes or like they didn't know how to edit them in. But I mean, it it is a little bit of a scrappy, choppy movie. It's, you can definitely feel it's, it's his first super film. low. It, you can tell it's low budget. It's it's just served by a good location. Exactly, you can definitely tell it has low budget roots. But none that really took me out of it. No, that's fine. I do wish the the additional dialogue recording of um the random voiceover sections weren't in the movie i feel like the movie would have been stronger without it and it's kind of like again the whole movie is almost like a reflective piece you know you're very the audience is almost put into like a uh, colonel vincent kane's perspective like he is just observing all these guys he doesn't really re he doesn't really react much and it's kind of like what we're doing as an audience i think william really did a good job on portraying that and kind of kind of putting the audience in their his shoes almost like we're we're deducing what's wrong with these people ourselves as, as Stacy is. So I think that was really well done. I, like I said, I really like how the ca the camera, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the moving camera. Um, I don't really like static shots or anything, but I think they do really well in this movie because 
the camera is not so much a character in the movie. It's it's literally the characters. It, it's just really just like an acting masterclass. And everyone, everyone does a fantastic job in this movie. I do think a lot of the comedy was pretty well done, when, especially when it comes to... Um, uh, what's his, Scotty, what's the... Jason Miller. Uh, it says when it comes to Jason Miller, played the priest in The Exorcist. And this character in this movie, he is putting on Shakespeare's plays, but with dogs. <laughs> so he's he has a casting agent who he keeps telling like he wants certain breeds of dogs for certain roles. And it's hilarious. It's like, it, 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 those are like the highlight comedic elements of the movie by far. Um, so the, the movie always has like something kind of going on, but the pace is kind of stilted because even though there's a lot of cr like crazy stuff going on, like, you know, trying to cast dogs for Shakespeare and stuff, there's not much in way of like propulsion of the plot. And when they finally do get to little elements of the horror, like there's a whole sequence where um, it's not really given away anything, but they're explaining what the ninth configuration is. And our main characters, uh, Vincent Kane, he's kind of like in a sleepy haze and he sees himself on the him or somebody else on the moon. And um, it's not. It pans, Kane doesn't see himself on the moon. It, it's Cutshaw, the astronaut, who sees himself. Oh, as, as, it plays yeah. back to his speech later on. That's right. It's Billy Cutshaw's. So he's the astronaut, but that's the. But then the camera pans back while he's on the moon. There's a kind of like these weird structure-like things. You see Christ on a cross, and it's a really like unsettling moment. They're talking about what the ninth configuration means, about the whole protein molecule and everything. And it, I think that right there is like the bookend of the movie. Like the movie like, has almost developed around this sequence, and I think that was a really strong and well done sequence. Um, I do think the movie is a little too long. It's like it's a two hours basically. If they would have trimmed me, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes out, I think it would really helped. Apparently, one of the four versions of this movie that exist, there is, oh my God, there is uh, a version that's like 10 or 15 minutes shorter. Uh, Blatty like totally says that's not his cut. There's another version apparently with a deleted, uh, with an alternate ending. But the version that's like widely around now to be able to get is Blatty's preferred version. So if you guys go and seek this out, watch it on Shutter or Amazon Prime or buy the Blu-ray, it is his version. So you don't have to worry about seeing the other stuff. But overall, I would probably give this movie. Not probably, I will. I will give this movie a B. I, I land on a B. I really think if it had a little bit more structure, a little bit more plot propulsion, then I think it would have been a way stronger of a film. I do think if he would have committed to maybe a little bit more of a specific genre he wanted out of it because it, it tackles a lot of different type of genres in this film. Um, I think if it had a little bit more of a focus point, that would have helped it as well. But again, watching something like this, you're watching it for the actors and the acting and th those just blew me away. So I, I land on a B. Okay. Okay. Bring it on, bro. I mean, you, you said we pretty much said it all. I don't know what else there is to say. What, do you agree with anything I said? No, never. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. I think that's what they're hearing, too. Audience, you heard that, right? You know, I said it all. He agrees with us. I said, it's almost I like... I said never. He, look, he's second-guessing himself. Because of Black Coat's daughter, and I was right. He's second-guessing everything. I did really like the ninth configuration. Configuration? The well, configuration. quite a bit. <laughs> um, I got a sense pretty early on that it really wasn't going to be much of a horror movie. So that didn't really bother me too much. It does lean very heavily into developing all these characters who have may or may not have some mental illness for quite a quite a while of the movie. And like it's funny and it's it's amusing. There's probably a couple scenes that could have been cut out though. 
Um, though maybe like when you go back and watch them and get the little eccentricities and how they play into like the sort of the twist that happens in the movie, maybe then those scenes will feel a little bit more justified. Um, I mean, I thought all the acting was good. Everyone's like pretty like subdued. I thought Stacy Keach at first until you know what's happening. Like he wasn't putting in very much effort. Yeah. And, and he's again, he's more of the observer. Well, I mean, anybody could have played that role. And then you understand why he's doing it later on. Yeah. And you're like, oh, OK. And like I said, like, so you agree, like when he lets loose, it's like, all right. Yeah. OK. You're really putting it in. Well, there's that scene where he flips out on uh, the one colonel and like his eye like looks Goes like, red. like a blood vessel in his eye. It looked like almost. Yeah. That's acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's mostly just a movie of like dialogue and like different philosophy and things like that about religion and existence and good and evil and God and things like that. And I think that's all really cool. It's a really interesting location to have all of that play out in. Um, <clears throat> the movie Shutter Island is certainly indebted to this movie. Oh, yes. Uh, or Shutter the book, Island. rather, because it was based off of a book. But like, holy shit um i never thought about that you said that but yeah absolutely i mean yeah but shutter island committed to a genre unlike this one so it, it did for better or for worse I, I don't know yeah um i feel like shutter island it was immediately obvious what was going on if you think about like for a second whereas with this i didn't really suspect that twist no neither did i so I don't know why one did it better than the other. Maybe it was because Shutter Island made itself a horror movie. Then you're like, OK, well, then it's got to be this twist. Whereas this, it's like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> it, it, it could go anywhere. I did like the plays that they were putting on with the dog because they have that conversation later on about how like animals are innocent, you know, and then like it's like they're replacing humans with animals in the plays. I don't know to make them. I thought that was cool. It was funny. And all the dogs, they treat them like humans. Yep. Um, like they're like fussy actors and stuff. Yeah, there's a whole scene where they're having a casting call because uh, uh, Colonel Vincent Kane decides he's going to give in to all their whims and to try because there's a whole scene we'll get into that like he he thinks maybe this will help them. So he gets all the dogs that he wants for the cast, the parts for the Shakespeare play for Hamlet, and you see uh, Jason Miller's character, Lieutenant Frankie Reno. He he's kicking dogs out, say you prima donna, blah blah blah, like kicking good actors. Like <laughs> it's so good, it's so funny. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, li I like the movie. That was cool. I mean, it is a little too long. Some scenes go on for a bit much or some could have been cut out. I feel like some of the scenes with the doctor who's like stealing the other guys like clothes and stuff like. Oh, yes. You could have lost some of that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There is the barroom brawl at the end that does go on for a while. It's the best scene, though. And it feels it almost feels like the scene from the SpongeBob movie where it's like. How tough are you to get into the bar? Like a bunch of babies. Like, I don't know. They're I don't even very, remember that. They're not very intimidating, like a gang of people, I feel like. They say some of the stupidest, cheesiest shit. Like, <laughs> say the military is chickens. I'm like, what? To <laughs> say the say the military or no, he says say the Yeah, he says say military or the um infantry. Say the infantry sucks or something. And and like the main characters are like act, like acting like this is such a struggle to say this. Like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Just say it. I don't know. Maybe back then. Who knows? Um, when masculinity was more fragile. Um, <laughs> I'd give it a B, though. Oh, you landed with, 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 oh my with God. me? Oh, my God. I see you were right about one thing. <laughs> I have to live in gigantic. it. gigantic. I have to live in it. This doesn't happen very often. <laughs> it was good. It was, it was a good movie. I'd watch it again at some point. I'd be curious to read the book. I'd always I wanted to read the book for The Exorcist just to see how it's 
how similar or how different it is. Yeah, no, for sure. But uh, yeah, the transfer looks like garbage on Shutter though. It does. It unfortunately it looks like it's a rip from a VHS. Yeah, there's a couple moments. Did you notice, like especially at the end, um, within the same scene, it's almost like the they had to pull from different 35 millimeter negatives because like the color timing will literally change from like natural looking skin tones to like blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like oh shit. All right, so I guess they they had to go piece some of this together William Peter Blatty is an interesting director because he has some really striking scenes and then he has scenes that look like in this and in Exorcist 3 look like they just look like something out of a TV movie sometimes well a lot of it too though is especially like back in back in those times is he was probably just trying to make his day like all right like if he wants if he wants to pull off like a really big like oneer which he kind of has in these he maybe has to like sacrifice some stuff later on you know, just, all right, just get the basic coverage, move on, so we can do something bigger later. I'm sure that's what it is, I'm you know? Sure, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm sure he approaches it differently because he's more of a writer than anything else. Yes. But it is interesting seeing his directing style from The Ninth Configuration, which, again, was his first movie, to Exorcist 3. Well, Exorcist 3 is a lot more polished. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, this was made for, like, 2.5 million, I believe. Um, Exorcist 3 was probably around five to ten million if i had to guess and so and and then back in those times too you gotta think inflation so what 2.5 million for this is probably about six or seven million in today's numbers you got any change for an auto boy father <laughs> damn me damn me damn me damn me oh damn me his mom's so fucking acting master class right damn me why would you bring me to this I, movie? I wish damn he directed more movies though he did he can't huh who he William, did. before he he, before he passed away, <laughs> I don't know the Clive Barker thing going on. I guess because mm-hmm. he was good, he didn't want to do anymore. Yeah, because he directed. I mean, he probably got he probably got shit on with the Exorcist three because they they made him redo that that ending and shit. He probably got pissed. I know. I still we still need to pick up. So Shout Factory for Exorcist three, they released the work print version with it, so you can watch and they have it via like seamless branching, which means the normal remastered scenes from the theatrical cut are. Uh, they have the work print director's cut footage as cleaned up as they could possibly get because they don't have the negative for it. They have it spliced in with the movie. So the quality will shift depending like if a work print scene shows up. And um, so it shifts every now and then. Some people hate it. I don't understand it. It's like you don't have to watch it that way. They're just giving it to you so you can see it the way it was supposed to be seen. People kill me. But I still need to pick up that Blu-ray to watch watch his cut. I haven't seen his cut of his, his director's cut for Exodus 3. Yeah. But I really, really like that theatrical cut, so. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I guess the biggest change is uh, they forced him to add that exorcism scene at the end where it's not in the original cut. Well, I mean, that is, like, the worst part of the movie, so. It's got some cool imagery, though. I mean, it's cool, but, like, it is a little forced. Just a little bit. All right, well, let's uh, break down the ninth configuration. All right, all we right. We can kind of, like, jump through some of this because the first hour is just, like, chaos it's chaos each character kind of show so the first hour of this movie is it opens up with everyone outside you get this really cool horror-esque opening it it opens with a weird like country song it's like totally oh it is the cut i was thinking of all the close-ups of the castle it's like two really weird scenes it's like the opening with like the country song which i think that's cutshaw who's like probably expressing his loneliness no that's um it's vincent he's not there yet that's him at the beginning i don't remember i watched it over two days yeah so the beginning of the movie has this really interesting country song um with like 
shots of like the wilderness and kind of the castle, but of Vin uh, Colonel Vincent Kane kind of reflecting, which makes more sense when you know the end of the movie. And then it has like a, they did the best they could shot of oh, shit. Uh, our astronaut character. And then, like, the moon is, like, imposing upon him. Like, it's rising up in the background. Yeah, for the time, I'm sure oh, it looks oh, good. It's, it's like the space shuttle thing. And then yeah. I think the, the moon is gigantic in the background to reflect that. Cutshaw goes, like, crazy, has a mental breakdown when he thinks about, like, leaving the Earth to go to the moon. Yeah. And, um, but, so it opens with that. And then they're all outside, all our, all our cast, Stacy, Scott, Jason. Um, they're all outside. And we get like these really kind of horror shots of the castle covering like fog and um, then some close ups of what looks like some like kind of demonic gargoyles. So, again, like I'm thinking I'm going to get a horror movie. Um, but anyways, so there's the announcement that they have a new head uh, psychiatrist coming, which is Stacy Keach's character, Colonel Vincent Kane. And you get like these really interesting um introduction to the characters because they're all kind of supposed to be lining up outside you have the one colonel i forget his name but he's like he hates them he legitimately hates them yeah and keach uh their cane eventually shows up and he gets there and he's talking to who he thinks is the doctor it's a guy in a doctor coat he's got the stethoscope and um <laughs> and the guy is so rude to him he's like not wanting to talk to him. He's like, yeah, you can just, he's like, yeah, why don't you just go to your room? It's like around the corner. He's like, can you show me? He's like, it's around the corner. Like it's being an asshole. And then the actual doctor shows up and then takes the stethoscope and tells the other guy to get in line. He was talking to one of the crazies and Kane didn't even know it. Like, <laughs> so that right off their bat, like you have like what they, he's kind of tricking you thinking it might be a horror movie. Then you get like this really funny sequence. And that's basically the whole movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's like the first half. So you get to meet you get to meet each individual character. You know, there's the guy who likes to steal the other doctor's clothes and pretend to be the doctor. There is Reno who's like putting on plays with dogs, and he's got his assistant. There's um, you know, there's there's Cutshaw, the other main character who's like the astronaut. There's other weird stuff going on. Like there's all these references to like Dracula and Frankenstein and uh, whatever. So like the first half of the movie is just them introducing these characters. You get a sense. For Kane and how he wants to approach them, um, he wants to kind of let them do their own thing and then he'll maybe get a better sense for if they're faking it or not or what their struggle is. Yeah, because that's one of the big things in the movie is a lot of the, the everyone here just kind of went crazy and they want to figure out why. And they, the doctor, the actual doctor there, suspects that half of them are maybe faking it because they didn't actually want to go to war or go fight. And so... Kane is left up with the responsibility to see who's faking, who's not, how can he help them. Mm -hmm. And the first big sequence of the movie is when Billy Cutshaw, played by Scott Wilson, he comes in and um, he starts throwing all the paper files that Kane has on all the, all the inmates there, basically. And just total, like, madness. And on top of it, um, the doctor... I forget the doctor... What is the actual doctor's name? I can't remember. But the actual doctor... He comes in, he's not even wearing pants because his pants got stolen again. Mm -hmm. So you have like the doctor coming in without his pants and then you have Billy Cutshaw come in and he's like borderline aggressive. He's throwing all the documents saying the doctor, uh, Stacy Keach, uh, Kane, he needs to leave. He doesn't want him there, blah, 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 which eventually morphs into Keach asking him, hey, so wh why didn't you um, go to the moon? At which point like, he refuses to answer 
and he forces him to start his treatment like right then and there to do like a little uh, what are those tests called with the images? Rorschach. Rorschach test. And I thought this was really interesting because he reads his file because Billy makes him read his file out loud about how he like didn't go. He freaked out before the flight and all that stuff. And then does the Rorschach test. And at which point the actual doctor comes around again, basically in his underwear. And he answers the first question with Billy. And then Kane looks at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. like even like in the house of, and uh, in, in this environment where the actual doctor is supposed to be like a professional, he's wearing shorts and he went ahead and answered the question with the, with Billy who may or may not be crazy. Like, <laughs> and just a lot of cool little elements like that in this movie that I thought were really intriguing. So, um, Billy doesn't really give him too much of an answer as to why he didn't go to the moon, but he does give him his medal, um, that pops up way, way later as something that's important. Um, the guy's putting on the show with the dogs starts talking about how, like, he wonders if Kane is actually kind of crazy. And that the psychiatrist, uh, according, you know, you can look it up, but they have a, they have the highest suicide rate out of any other, like, profession out there. And they do often go kind of nuts, um, which kind of plants some seeds for what's coming up. Mm -hmm. So Kane eventually falls asleep. Um, and he has a dream about his brother, um, who is uh, a murderer who went through, he was in Vietnam and he like murdered 30 people. Just wasn't his, his nickname was killer Kane, killer Kane. Yes. You know, he like, uh, severed a kid's head or a with a wire with a, with like a piano wire. Yeah. And they show it too. They show like in the flashback. Yeah. Uh, the brother sitting in the, um, in the field holding a kid's head. Yeah. So, um, him, so he meets with Billy again, and then this is kind of when they, like, have the big debate that's, like, the whole purpose of the movie where they're talking about God and if there is a God, um, you know, if there is a plan for things. Um, Examples of free will, humans actually helping for the greater good, not for selfish reasons. Um, right, so Kane's like, well, what about the person who has this disease on a boat? And he throws himself over to save everybody on the boat. Or if there's a grenade and a soldier throws himself on it to stop someone else in his platoon from blowing up. And, and Billy's like, well, you know, how do we know that there wasn't some, those stories weren't fabricated? Or if, like, there wasn't some selfish reason that these people did these things, like, how, how can you know? And he makes a good point, Billy, with, like, specifically the, the live grenade and the, the army guy jumping on it to save his platoon. It's like, that's muscle memory. Right. You know, that's our muscle reaction. So Kane's like, is it muscle memory when the person throws himself off the boat? And then he doesn't really know what to say, but then that's when he says, like, well, you know, these stories, there could have been anything to these stories or any kind of selfish reason. Yeah. So he's just really struggling. And he asks him, he's like, give me one example that you know of personally, and Kane has nothing. It's a powerful scene, man. Right. It's so, a, again, it, the acting is like, you could pick any of these scenes where these two are going together and just, just doing their craft, and any of those are Oscar-worthy. And Kane's essentially trying to say that you know, there is goodness and that there is love and that, you know, humans are capable of sacrificing themselves to save someone else, which Billy, Billy does not believe. Um, so, and then, like, kind of as it ends, Billy's like, yo, oh, well, they, as it ends, Billy, like, just kind of snaps, like, well, can I go to church with you tomorrow? So they do. Um, and then later on, Billy's like, hey, if you die before me, can you give me a sign? And Kane's like, yeah, I'll do my best. So you can sort of see the like for the friendship like developing between them. But the church scene is really funny. 
because it shows Kane sitting in the car. He's in his, you know, military uh, dress up gear. And <laughs> Billy comes in and he's wearing what looks like maybe like a nice jacket, but he's got a giant red bow on. <laughs> it's just like, ridiculous. And even Billy looks, I'm like, no one's going to care what I'm wearing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you, oh, you think God's going to care what I'm wearing? Yeah. And yeah. so they go to the church and then, of course, like Scotty said, they have that little interaction when they get back. But at, at this point, like I knew like this movie is not a horror movie, but I'm really digging it. I'm, I really think it's interesting. So they get back. Um, and this is kind of when the movie twists and turns into a little bit of something else. Um, there's a new patient at the at the castle, a new inmate, as they put it. Um, and as soon as he sees uh, Kane, he calls him Killer Kane. And then we have a flashback. Um, and Kane collapses, and we realize through this flashback, and he's, like, holding the decapitated boy's head, that, um, he, he is Killer Kane. There is, there, there's no brother of his that's the murderer. He is the murderer. Yes. Um, he was, and he kind of went through Vietnam, like, murdering all these people. He had lost his mind, and then he got this, like, message that wasn't meant for him. Meant for his brother. That was, hey, uh, we got this, like, assignment for you. You need to come back to America. You're going to be signed to this castle to, like, do this investigation on these other um, military personnel who may or may not be, like, faking their mental illness. Um, and Kane runs with it, and he he follows through on the, like, on the on the request and creates like a new personality for himself and then like hides away the murderous aspect of him um so he's come to this castle as a way to sort of rehabilitate himself and then goes back to the whole self-sacrifice thing to like heal up like save others he's come to this castle to save these people as a way to like save himself so but uh his brother is the actual doctor yes and he's not a murderer and he's been staffed there the entire time, and they knew that Kane was coming here, so instead of stopping him in order to help him, they let him go through with his, like, delusion. Except nobody knew, except for the actual doctor, which, again, is his brother, who, again, is the one actually in charge. He was the only one that knew. Everyone else assumed Colonel, Colonel Vincent Kane, played by Stacey Keach, was the big dog, if you will. Right, they, so, no one knew. Uh, yeah. So, all the other, like, Patients there find out, and I think they're all pretty betrayed, especially Billy, because there's this person telling him about you know how there's good in the world, and he also and then the same person is like a murderer of like thirty people, so he 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 runs away from the castle and goes to a bar, um, where he's like getting drunk, and there's the chain gang biker gang there who recognize him and they start taking bets, and then the next like ten to fifteen minutes are then like. Bullying him, fucking him up, making fun of him. Wrapping him up in a chain, pulling beer on him. They about, they're about to rape him. Yeah, there's one point where the... Yeah, that's a little later in the sequence. But yeah, yeah like, I was like, are you... Jesus Christ, like... It, it, this is just... This is the biker gang, though, that just is so fucking funny to me. Because they're, they're so lame. Yeah. They got the neckerchiefs. They got the aviators. They got... No one's wearing shirts. Everyone's got, like, fucking jean jackets on. They got... <laughs> It's just like the only one that's intimidating is the buff guy. It's just because he's buff with a chain. But he's so goofy. But though. he's so goofy. He looks like he's gonna cry all the time. He does the splits like no problem. Like I got this. Yeah. Like it's just it's really weird. It's but, just it's. I mean it works. It is really weird though. It just feels like. Have you ever been to a bar? 
With, have you ever seen a biker? Like, it just feels like something like a little kid. Would, like, you got your bad fucking ass. <laughs> it's definitely the most momentum the movie has that was in this sequence. Right. Because the one, when the uh, hostess is, she basically gets routed to the castle via the telephone to tell them that there is someone here that is wearing an army outfit that might be part of this, uh, part of, part of their program up there. So that's when Vincent Kane comes down, yeah. tries to get him out of it, at which point by the time he shows up, they're u- the biker gang's using Billy as a quote-unquote beach ball. They're throwing him around in a circle. He's wrapped up in the chain that the main bi- biker guy had. And so Kane tries to take him out of the situation. Gets, they won't let him leave. Kane gets wrapped up in it, and then like they're trying to break Kane down by saying, like, say, say the military sucks. Say you're a bunch of chickens. Like, and, like, every time, like, Kane's, like, struggling to say it. And he finally does. And the guy, he's, like, ah! He, like, loses his mind. Like, like, I can't believe that he, like, did it. Like, he can't believe he did this. He's so pissed. Like, fuck, I gotta think of something else to do. Yeah. To, like, get so, over this guy's skin. No, yeah, <laughs> say they suck. Like, <laughs> it's so... Okay, buddy. And, like, is this supposed to be, like, more of a comedic route? Because this is a comedy, I mean, so. it could be. It, it just came off, like, be. he's building such tension... And then he has him say the stupidest thing. Well, I feel like this this <laughs> scene was supposed to be like, here's the badness of humanity, but it's still too fucking goofy. Yeah. You know? But, and of course it escalates to the point where he doesn't actually let them leave, even though he says these dumb things. And um, they start beating on both of them. At one point, uh, Billy's about to be like th- throat raped. Throat raped? Yeah, because remember he gets on, t- oh, yeah, so they I lay know, him down. Yeah, so they lay him down. One of the guy gets on him. Well, it's interesting though. He's like undoing his belt, and it looks like it looks like he's gonna, you know. If this is supposed to be, if this is supposed to be reflect like a scene where it shows like the badness of humanity, I feel like that should that part where they're they're trying to rape him should have been brought to the forefront. But instead, you hear most of it playing like in ADR in the background. Yes, because it's at the same time why why that scene is happening. Um, Vincent Kane was just forced to lick beer off the floor while the main biker guy's doing splits laughing at him. It's weird. Um, at which point, though, when he sees he's about to get raped, that's when he... Killer Kane comes out. Right. And he whoops all their asses. Well, it's a really <laughs> weird scene where, like, the biker gang leader is standing there with, like, a mug in his hand. And you see Kane's hand, like creepily like come out of the frame and as like, soon as wrap I did around it. it it's like this is so fucking slowly like how's this guy and it's none of the, it's it's not Kane's hand and it's not the biker guy's hand they have a fake hand because they he pulls the glass hard he breaks his he breaks it on the dude's hand if you look at it it's a fake hand with the glass and then someone else's hand coming to break it <laughs> I get what they're going for but the way they executed it is so fucking weird it's so goofy but then Kane eventually snaps Killer Kane comes out he beats the shit out of he kills half, most of them. Yeah, I was reading reviews, like, on IMDb for this. Oh, man, the barroom scene is so fucking visceral and violent. Like, I don't know, like, I guess. Maybe for the time. For the time it was. I mean, you but, have a guy that's about to get raped, and then you have, well, I, like, just, him literally, like, throwing people against the wall, breaking their necks, breaking their arms. I don't know. It seemed pretty tame from whatever. And today's else. standards. It's I tame. guess. But he beats the shit out of everybody, um, and then they go back to the castle. The police want to arrest Kane. Um, his brother's like, no, wait, wait, like, hold on. Like, it was maybe, like, self-defense. Like, I think he wants to still try to give this whole, like, experiment a shot. Yes. 
Kane is with Billy up in his office, and Kane is, like, oh, out real, of it. Oh, real quick, though, uh, before we get into that, um, this is when the cops are there. That's what I just said. Oh, did you? Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're so, like, determined to talk. You can't even, you're not even listening to me. No, I was just thinking about... Never mind. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you, did, did you tell them this took place in a castle? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, Jesus. Kane and Billy are talking, and Kane is, like, really out of it. And they're talking more about the whole good and evil thing. Um... I think even maybe like the self-sacrifice thing. But they finally, he finally answers the question. Kane asks Billy again, why didn't you go to the moon? So Billy stands before us, looking into the darkness. Up at the moon. Teary-eyed. Well, he's looking up at the moon. Right. Well, and... Again, an Oscar performance. Like, it's every time the fucking guy acts, it's perfection. He just tells him, like... The loneliness of the moon. There's well, no one up there. If he gets stuck there, he's going to be alone forever. Well, not only that, but if I get stuck there and there's no one there, but if there's no God, that's like the ultimate in loneliness. Yeah. And so I couldn't take it. And the whole the whole thing is with this being the exorcist is that Reagan is the one that plants that doubt in him when they interact in the book in the at the party. Yes, exactly. She says you're going to die up there alone or something to that effect. So I think it's just, it's, it's, it's such a, perfect moment in this movie that like I, I just I could not look away from the screen there's like again it, it lingers on like no coverage there's like two master shots and, but it's just it's so well composed the actors are so just like in the moment he's looking up at the moon he's given <laughs> basically a monologue explaining everything we just explained to you guys about the loneliness and everything and then you have Kane who's just sitting there and he looks in such pain and um, they have this moment and it's almost like he he did it. He helped Billy. He he. Well, there's there's dialogue earlier in the movie when they do talk about suicide, and they're talking about you know is suicide suicide or is it like something more? Is it suicide or it's like you're sacrificing yourself for somebody else? So Kane's like uh, just I'm fucking tired. So uh, uh, what's it? Billy like goes outside. And as the scene ends, we see, like, a bloody dagger drop from under the blanket that Kane has on top of him. And then Billy's sitting on the steps outside and notices there's, like, blood on his shoe, rushes back in. Billy killed himself. Yeah. To, as a way to, I guess... Cure Billy. Kane sacrificed himself as a way to, yeah, to cure Billy. Because this is his one example he was looking for. A real personal example of someone doing something for the... For the great, for the good of somebody else. I don't else. know if he needed to kill himself though. Like I feel like well, he could have just died in the bar well, fight I think to this, show that. Well, why I think the scene is so interesting is because it's being presented like he is doing this for Billy, for for Billy. But really, it's nothing more than a selfish act because they talk about in the movie, uh, Vincent Kane, Killer Kane, uh, his brother, the real doctor, is saying that he's he's doing this thing in his head almost as a way to if he can save someone it will absolve him of all his the awful things he did in vietnam so him killing himself is like a double sword yes it's almost like to prove a point to billy that good can happen just for the sickness of good and he's doing this to cure billy to prove a point that billy said this doesn't exist in the world however kane is still doing it for himself to absolve himself of his sins he did in vietnam so really, it's not... So Billy takes it, and the movie's presented in the fact that Billy takes it as, that's his one example, he did this for him, 
he's cured because he comes back to the end of the movie, which we'll get into. But really, it's because Kane is selfish. Kane is still doing this for himself, but he's wrapping it up in a nice bow for Billy. Well, I mean, then the flip side is also that Billy could have interpreted this differently. And he could have, like, blamed himself for Kane killing himself. Thinking that, you know... But it's because of the note that it's it's all spelled out. I but. Well, yeah. So, you know, it's complicated. And, no. and that's why it's good writing, you know? Well, this, yeah. this was great writing. Yeah, it really it was. was. It was very good writing. So, he, um... Billy roids up real fast and carries him down the <laughs> stairs. Like, bullshit. Yeah. Uh, his brother, his real brother, sees it and is obviously... Heartbroken. Heartbroken. The movie he, jumps ahead. The castle is empty. The program is over. Cutshaw comes back. He seems to have been reinstated or something, or he's doing much better now. Yeah, he's definitely in a higher position because he's being chauffeured around by um, lesser people in the military, whatever the rank system is. He goes back to Kane's office after looking around for a bit and does find a note from Kane where Kane spells out for the audience that he killed himself, hoping that you know this would um, make billy sane again to show him that one human will sacrifice themselves for the betterment of another um he gets back into the car to leave and he asks like where did this where did my metal come from and then it freeze frames because it, and he, it freeze frames on the realization that maybe there is that this is the sign because remember he's scott wilson billy asks kane in the movie after the church sequence uh, when you're dead can you show me a sign so I know there's an afterlife. He's like, yeah, I'll do my best. He got, he gave him his medallion. Right. Which, so. you know, it's it's a fantastic ending. Uh, the writing is fantastic. I mean, that ending is baller. Yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a movie that I feel like it could be remade. I mean, Scorsese did. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, that was based off a book, though. If anything, the book from it then. yeah yeah but yeah. The, i mean they have a very different approach they did one was like we're doing horror the other one's like one is very much a horror thriller this is much more philosophical yes um i mean shutter island is much more competently put together i mean it, well, it, yeah scorsese come on I mean, yeah <laughs> i mean they're two different things but uh yeah i mean i didn't i didn't see the twist coming that he was killer kane no it totally took me by surprise i mean it's super like obvious when you think about it but uh, because, it's not, because good... it's not a horror movie, because you don't know what kind of movie it is. It just like doesn't really register. And he's not really like the most interesting element in the movie at first. It's the and it's it's everybody else. You know? Yeah, I mean, they don't really spend any time trying to develop him or anything like until basically the twist. Right. So it's all for him. Yeah. We're at the Shutter Island. We're spoiling Shutter Island, but fuck it, whatever. It's been um, out forever. Yeah, you had your chance. Like, it's pretty, I mean, it's, I feel like when I watched it, I was like, oh, I hope to fucking God, it's not the twist that he's the missing patient, but then he does become the missing patient. Yeah. But yeah. I actually really like Shutter Island, and if you go, I think you honestly, it's better when you know the twist up front, because they do commit to it. There's a lot of little things in the movie. Every, every dialogue exchange is a reference to, like, him being a patient. Everyone's looking at each other, like, they're in on it. Like, it, it wasn't like, oh, now we need a twist. Like, they definitely built around it, but it, it is a super generic yeah i mean they did their best with him arriving on the boat trying to throw you off and shit yeah but everyone talks so awkwardly everyone's like side-eyeing each other like everybody's in on it and if you know that then it's pretty cool yeah but it is a dumb twist you know outside of that 
But this isn't about Shutter Island. This is about the ninth configuration. Bitch. So, bitch. So it's currently playing on Shutter. I think that's on Amazon Prime. The Blu-ray is available to buy. I do think it's definitely worth your guys' time to watch. It is, um, you know, we get we kind of hit most of the plot points, but there's a ton of stuff in between. I mean, of character ton of, interactions. Like, there's a ton of really good lines and funny stuff that you yeah. just gotta watch the movie to see. Exactly. When he actually lets um, all the inmates do what they want and he provides them with the means to do so. Like he gives the artist all their his paint. He gives um uh James Miller's Lieutenant Frankie Reno all the dogs for his uh Shakespeare play. There's a lot of those scenes in the movie we didn't really touch on. Um there's a lot more of them with the other inmates. It's just really funny, really interesting. So I definitely think it's worth your guys' time to watch. Just, you know, as you know by now though, it isn't and it's not a horror movie. Just just don't go in expecting that and you'll you're gonna have a really good time. Yep. Ninth configuration. The ninth configuration. I can't wait for the tenth configuration. <laughs> I can't. What is that like the double the protein molecules? Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up our episode tonight. Um, what else? So next week we'll we'll try and get another episode in for you guys. We'll find uh there's still that shallow one I showed you that we could do. I mean what we what we really need to review is Saint Maud. I mean, that's, can we get to it yet? Though I think it's out on streaming now. Is it okay? So we should review Shame because I mean that's actually like a new horror movie that's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, well they kept getting delayed because of COVID. So if we can actually get to it, let's let's we'll rent sure it and watch it. Stream it. Is it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. What Amazon probably? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's out on everything now. Okay, good. So yeah, we'll yeah. Oh, perfect. We will rent that, and then um, we recommend maybe you guys do too, and then this. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it's fun. Supposed to be good. Supposed to be good. Yeah, I mean, eight two four does elevated as food. Eight two four does a good job. I give them a lot of shit, but I don't even give them shit. I just some there's it's it's good. I like you do. I mean, they're produ- I mean, they make they're, solid they're, films. They're a company. They're gonna have good ones. They're gonna have bad ones. Exactly. But um, I think definitely the highlight of this episode. I think everyone will agree is that Scotty conceded. So I'm oh, always rem- I'm always gonna remember that. Oh God, get the get out of my face with that. <laughs> All right, uh, if you guys enjoyed the episode, um, we haven't asked in a while, so if you can, go on iTunes, go ahead and give us a review. Uh, if you we get any new reviews, we will read them at the beginning of the next episode. Uh, we'll give a shout-out to you guys and all that good stuff. So, And if you haven't, feel free to follow us on social media, TerrorCast, at like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I need to fucking remember the Twitter password. I haven't been on that one for Just a Just reset it. Yeah, probably have to do Just that. Just have one of our listeners hack it for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and then our Hail House Productions page, guys. If you guys are interested in the project we're producing, projects we're producing, directing, writing, all that good stuff, um, the stuff on there you can check out. But you ain't gonna get to see any of it until next year. Probably. Entropy is a, uh, has a year worth of festivals um, before hopefully it lands a home. Um, whatever. We'll get into that when we get into that. And then the short. The short, as soon as the festivals are done with the short, um, we'll throw that on our YouTube, Hail House Productions YouTube. So all you guys can see it because, you know, that's not going to get bought or sold. So, um, yeah, well, as soon as that's done with the festivals, we'll throw that up there. And then we'll make announcements on the Facebook page and all that good stuff. So. All right. All right. Um, I think that wrap, wraps us up. So we'll see you guys hopefully next week with St. Maud. Yeah. All right. That's it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.